Digital Gonzo, episode 49, dated November 24th, 2011. Predators. What's the last thing you remember? All of a sudden there was a light, and then I was falling. I was supposed to be executed two days ago. And I was in combat. So was I. Black Ops. Yakuza. We need to work as a team. Does this look like a team-orientated group of individuals to you? was released last year and the pluralization is a direct and knowing nod to aliens this is intended to be a genuine follow-up and successor to the 1987 original it also serves as a remake of sorts re-exploring the notion of a collection of exceptionally hard killers stuck in the jungle and hounded by this unseen alien menace there are various twists in the tale the first being that none of them know any of the others and the very title of the film itself refers to the humans as well as the aliens as all of them are hunters in their own right Nimrod Antal had only directed three movies beforehand, including 2003's Control, with a K, not to be confused with the Ian Curtis biopic, and 2009's Armoured, but he's probably best known for Vacancy, which, as I recall, Paul Shotton rather liked. The plot to Predators is fairly straightforward. Royce, played by Adrian Brody, wakes up in freefall over jungle terrain. The shoot opens automatically at the last moment, and shortly after landing heavily, he meets a series of rather dangerous people, all armed, all equally bewildered. It's not dissimilar to Lost, although the story was written by Robert Rodriguez in the mid-90s. As they traverse the jungle, the humans realize several things in turn. One... They've been placed here on purpose. Two, they're not on Earth anymore. Three, they're not alone. Four, all of them appear to have been chosen because they are killers in their own culture. Amongst them are an ex-Black Ops mercenary, a Yakuza, an RUF death squad commander, a Mexican cartel enforcer, a Russian Spetsnaz commando, a CIA assassin, and a death row multiple murderer. Edwin, played by Topher Grace, does not belong in their group. He is merely a doctor. And they are not the first to have been bought here. Okay, so, should mix this around a bit, because I've got so much to say about this film that I, I, I kind of want to get give you a chance to get your oar in first, if you want, uh, Neil. So, um, why don't you like Predators? <laughs> All right, I'm going to say this. Um, I, I watched, pre- for, the, for the podcast, I watched them in a very different order. I watched it Predator, mm-hmm. Predators, mm-hmm. and then Predator 2. All right. Now, when you watch Predators after Predator... You, sna- you sit there and go, 
well, that's the same as the first movie. That's the same beat as the first movie. It, you know, whether or not intentional, it's a little bit of a... Sh- it feels a bit of a shoddy remake. But some of the big problems I have here, uh, for a start, I really feel that Adrian Birdie was miscast in this role. Um, because, you know, the role of Royce is this hardened... The role of m- Royce. Yes. <laughs> <It> was Royce. <laughs> really? You went there? You started it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, he's meant to be this hardened, um, mercenary character. And one thing you, when you look at Adrian Brody is, you don't think mercenary. And, you know, to try and pull this off, he does the, this, this horrible trend we seem to have at the minute with action movies is, the character will do, let's call it the Batman voice. Because <laughs> that's what it well, is. he talks like this, and he's super intense all the time. Yeah, it's there's just... something out there. It's up in them trees. We're all gonna die. And considering he somehow assumes the role of leader in this, he is Dutch for this movie. Yet we don't even find out his name till the almost the end of the movie. Another big problem to me is, so you've got a mercenary, you've got uh, an enforcer, you've got a Spetsnaz soldier, and all these this mixed bag of people. With, mm. that, like you said, are predators. Yet they instantly trust each other. Seriously? I'm seeing a hell of a lot of mistrust. No, not that, okay. Sorry, there's tons of mistrust in the movie. For about there's, the there's first a couple five of them minutes. That are less professional, like Stans, for example, doesn't play well with others. Uh, the, the death row inmate. Um, Walton but, Goggins, who can I just say is my favourite thing in this movie. I love Walton Goggins. He's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna rape so many bitches. Yeah, <laughs> five o'clock, bitch raping time. <laughs> There's a great bit of the interchange was like, you should stay away from him. Yep. <laughs> you know, and, you know, you would just, you know, for Royce's brains in this movie, they do really well at showing that he's fairly smart. You have an enforcer for, you know, the Mexican drug cartel, notoriously nasty. Spetsnaz soldier, hard as hell. Uh, Israeli Defense Force sniper, hard. And all this, and he can't work out why the doctor doesn't fit. Did no one else see what he was going to be within, like, the first, I don't know, two minutes? Well, if he'd actually done any kind of doctoring of any... If he'd showed any medical knowledge whatsoever, that might have well, helped. Well, he knew about the plants. Um, I think... Uh, I just so assumed he's, he's he was a there doctor to... of botany or what? I mean, he's I assumed, <laughs> when I was watching it, that he was there because the Predators wanted to throw someone in the mix that wasn't of any use to them in terms of being a killer, but just to see if they would protect him. But obviously the, the reality is, is far more twisted. Okay, so, yeah, I would agree that that's predictable to some degree. Well, what I thought, at first, when, when, at first when, when he said he was a doctor, I thought that it was the Predators putting him in basically to look after everybody else, to keep them basically fit so as they were good, better sport, you know, mm. in case someone fell over, sprained their ankle. Yeah, that's kind of what I was To keep them fighting trim. But then it just didn't do anything at it all. doesn't do any doctoring. If it patched up someone's leg, that would have maybe have cemented that. But exactly. Yeah. It's, it wouldn't have taken much to, to make it a bit more believable. Carry on, Neil. Um, what purpose did Lawrence Fishburne have in this movie? To be mental. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this movie... Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Lawrence Fishburne bit in a bit, but yeah. You know, my big... That's the shark jump. The big problem with it, although the death scene was quite funny and very reminiscent of Mac, only on a bigger scale. Yeah. Uh, but to me, this movie proves that a movie can have a plot, but not a story. Because this movie does have a plot. It's very A to B. But its story is awful. Because it really, to me, feels like half 
half a story. Now, whether or not that was done on purpose as a, you know, sequel bait, so we get Predators 2? Predators? Predators 2, Predators 4... It'll just be called Predator something. Yeah, you know, that really bugged me as well. But, the, like I said, back to the issue, you've got this group that... I, no, hang on, I've, I, I've got to at least cut in and say I am flabbergasted that you consider that this film doesn't have a story. Do you consider that Predator 2 does have a story? I think it has a, it has a more complete story. Look at the endings for Predator 2 mm-hmm. and the ending of this one. Is that ending to this movie satisfactory? Because it isn't to me. It feels like, no, there's more to this. And you've either purposely not put it in so you can do a sequel. Sequel bait. Or, yeah, which really bugs me because sometimes, you know, they do that and they don't get a sequel. This, I think, probably will. I, you know, it's not terrible. It's To me, this is the one I watch the least, but it's not terrible. But to me, more than anything, it just strikes me as it is a inferior remake of the first one. Like, you've got this group of highly trained military or gun-wielding types... Yeah, the, you, you say yes, there's distrust at the start, but it's so brief. And then it sort of just goes. It really just sort of goes, you know, because, you know, you have that scene with Walter Goggins and the... Uh, the, the other... Uh, Mombasa? The, Mombasa uh, guy, yeah. The RUF enforcer. Yeah, you know, they're going at it for no apparent reason. I don't know why, but they are. I think it's just Stans is uh, racist. Stans yeah. is just a nutter. And possibly has sex with his sister. We don't know. It's conjecture. <laughs> yeah. It's like tight casting for Walter Goggins, I really admit, but then again, he's just the perfect person for it. Mm. You know, you've got this Spetsnaz soldier who seems almost innocent in all of it, almost. He does strike you as the nicest one of the lot, Nikolai. Uh, the actor was trying to portray him as a Russian hero rather than... Uh, the, the, he was pleased that he wasn't typecast as this... Imagine Peter Stormare in Armageddon. That's what Russians see themselves being t- cast as in American movies. It makes them very ashamed. To be fair, you know, it was nice not to see him as that, but he just comes off as naive, maybe, would be better than innocent. You know, where he shows the... Do- you know, he takes a liking to the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And surely, you know... This guy's a Spetsnaz. That is Russian SAS. They are hard bastards. Mm-hmm. Surely his senses will be going, you know, there's something not quite right with this guy. <laughs> but he has children, and he did feel protective of this guy, and Topher Grace fooled me. Really? Okay. Um, and the biggest insult in this movie. Uh-huh. Yep. Biggest insult. And this is where Alex is probably really going to disagree with me. Uh-huh. Is turning the Predator into a pussy. I the think Danny Glover did that. No, 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 no. You see, all right, you can buy that. You know what? That was a cocky, arrogant, shitty predator that mm-hmm. Danny Glover took out. In this movie, we get a... We meet the predator. He's already captured. You mean classic predator. Normal predator. The predator that we know. He's referred to by the, uh, the crew as classic predator. Yeah. I'm not even going to dignify that. You know, he's the normal predator. He's the predator. Yeah, he's the non-huge kind of predator. He's not the crappy look. It's the 20, you know, it's 2000. We need to make them bigger predator. And by, and it spoils it because you go, we've seen what these predators can do in the first two movies. Mm-hmm. You know, we know they are dangerous. They are, you know, perfect hunters almost. And then you introduce these other ones that we've never seen before. And it's like saying, yeah, those, you know, those other two. Forget it. They're nothing. This this is what you want. It's like no, we didn't need another 
type of predator because the one you've got works really well. We've seen what it can do. We know what it can do. That bit kind of reminded me of you seen Jurassic Park three. Yes. When the Spinosaurus shows up, it's it's during a scene where the T Rex is dominating. You're like, oh my god, the T Rex is so badass. Yes. And, and the T Rex gets eaten by a much bigger dinosaur. You're like, oh my god, he's not badass. This new dinosaur's badass. I got to go out and buy that action figure. Not only is that Spinosaur badass, it snaps its neck. All right. Ugh, another frustrating point. But anyway, back to this. I really do not like the fact that they decided, no, the, 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 the predators that these guys are going to be facing are these new ones, these bigger, better ones. It's like, you didn't need newer, better ones. I think they were sort of trying to pull an alien queen on us, and mm. to me it fell flat. Because, I like I said... I can't tell you how much I disagree with you here. I love the fact that they expand the universe. It's like a pushing a rock uphill. Matt, what, Matt, come on. Do you well, you don't have to convince me. You just have to convince the, the, well, the this listeners. This is what I mean. I really do not like the fact that we, they decided, no, you know, classic Predator. Ugh, I hate that term, but classic Predator. No, you don't want that anymore. You want this new, bigger, badder, better one. It's like, no, there's no point. With, in, like in Aliens, when they introduce the Alien Queen, it's like, oh, so that's where the eggs come from. It sort of makes a logical sense. There's a life cycle to it, yeah. There's, there's a, like ways you look at this... It's like, okay, so you've got small predator, big predator. How does this work then? Are, are like the small ones the males and the big ones the females? No, they're two different tribes, possibly two different uh, subspecies. Yeah, so I, I just didn't really like that. But, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, um, I, I bashed on this movie. <laughs> Matt, anything to say before I go? Because I'm going to go. He's going to uh, Well, I mean, I didn't... I, I enjoyed it enough. It was uh, It was an enjoyable... Sort of blockbuster film. Um, my my issues with it were uh, several of the ones that, that that Neil mentioned. Adrian Brody just seems odd and a very odd choice. There's um, no idea how many other people that I think would have been better in that role, and he would have been better not having the Batman voice. That just kind of annoyed me. Um, yeah, but I mean, he was softly spoken for most of it, and just occasionally when he was trying to make sure that people were listening to him, he'd turn around and go, "We got to get moving." Wouldn't yeah, but it's not his. It's so far from his. What it just sounded put on the entire time. It just sounded odd. It didn't. It didn't really fit him uh, all that well. Imagine but if he'd been a, acting the same as he did in King Kong here, though, you'd be like, dude, this guy's going to get snapped in half like a twiglet. Well, <laughs> wouldn't Adrian Brody have been a better choice for the the serial killer? Mm, possibly, I think so. I think ultimately the, the, the reason that they chose Topher Grace is because if someone makes you laugh in a movie, you like them and trust them more. And if you like them and trust them, and then the whole thing betrays you, you're like, oh, yeah. okay. But if if the I mean, if Adrian Brody had been the the obvious like shifty from the very beginning, you'd be like, I don't trust this guy. Nobody should trust this guy. But you think Topher Grace couldn't say boo to a goose? He seems so helpless. Yeah. It's like, fuck all of you guys. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's a fair point that's a fair point um, a few of the things that in fact Topher Grace made me think that he could possibly play Drake in this movie okay again makes you laugh I would Scott still rather have Nathan Fillion but okay better than Mark Wahlberg <laughs> oh dear god <laughs> definitely, yes definitely yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> um, probably the biggest problem I've got with the film is that it just feels a bit like lots of really cool scenes bolted together mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah it just doesn't really sort of bit, some bits seem rushed other, other bits seem drawn out and and it, they seem to try and force um, sort of 
nods back to the first film into into Predators. Um, I mean, there was all, there was the various quotes. There was the big gun. There was everyone going ape shit and cutting the jungle apart. Mm. What the fuck are you? Kill me, do it now, etc., etc. It just seemed a little bit forced at times. The bit with um, Hanzo, uh, the, the the sword fight, mm. was basically the same as the. Billy. Billy, only he didn't Billy only got to see. Only he didn't get utterly problem. punked by the predator. Um, <laughs> you saw you him get, kick yeah. the fuck out of it at yeah. the cost of his own life. And the predator died as well. So yeah, exactly. But, I mean, he beat the, the predator clearly. Mm. He just he, he, did, he died at the same time. Um, and one, it's a very minor thing, but the claymore mine that um, <laughs> Nikolai. the Russian guy uh, Nikolai uses to take out the predator. A claymore mine is a hundred ball bearings. That rip people into bits. It isn't Not a, big a fucking great big fireball. It wouldn't. Yeah. It's just stupid. It, Maybe it, it is a Robert Rodriguez <laughs> flick. There has to be a fireball in there somewhere. I think it's like a legal requirement. So why not use something that would create a fireball instead of a <laughs> fucking claymore mine? It's got an fail. effective range of about sixty meters, maybe. It's just silly. It just, I don't know. It just pissed me off. <laughs> there was this ridiculously big fireball. I don't know why. <laughs> it was a quite a cool scene, but it's, I don't know. It just just uh, got on my nerves a bit, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was good enough, and it's a bit like um, Die Hard Four in that regard. That it, it's it's Oof. it's entertainment. It's sheer entertainment, but it just isn't. Uh, it oh should have God. been quite a lot more do you know what I mean it just doesn't really do the, the franchise justice you see I, I think people I think what people got excited about was Robert Rodriguez Predator but it isn't it isn't isn't you know he's producing he wrote but he didn't direct mm. I think that's a big difference because Rodriguez does have that sort of throwback style he's really good at that really throwback style you look at something like uh, Desperado it's my kids no when he does kids, kids movies he's sharp on lava girl I will admit this Rodriguez <laughs> when he does kids movies they suck but when he does Desperado once upon a time in Mexico movies like that uh, Planet Terror They've got this really good throwback quality to it. Oh, God, Planet Terror is like having my eyeballs pulled out from my anus. Strangely enough, I thought that about Death Proof. <laughs> Didn't like either of them. Okay, right. C- can I go? Because I want to go. I feel like I'm totally up against it at this one. <laughs> I, just, right, just, I just feel like you should go, kill me. Cause I, go in. I need, go in. No. Kill me now. No. <laughs> you may drink. I need to take a shot, folks. I need to um, I need to win the audience back with this one. Okay, Predators may be my favourite of the trilogy. What? Totally. And it wasn't until I saw it twice in a row this week. I watched it once uh, on TV and then again on my iPod while I was writing this, and just noticed so much texture to the film. 
two things strike you when you start watching this. The first is how faithful to the original it is in terms of setting and music. Now, you could just say rehash to that one, but I say faithful. I say John Debney's score paying homage to Silvestri's, but elaborating on it with a more dramatic and pacey undertone. A lot of design decisions and moves made by the actors and creators serve to make this an intriguing film and genuinely decent follow-up that gets this wayward series back on track. That's another thing you've got to think about. It has been lost for years. This was the first time we'd actually seen a Predator film without an alien involved for, what, 20 years? Yeah, I mean, even Rodriguez said the AVP movies were not good, and they're not. Well, no, they they specifically designed this to be like, look, okay, forget those two, we're back on track. This is the Predator series. And, in fact, both Predator 2 and Predators make reference to the events of the first film. They say, you know, back in Guatemala, 87. Well, yeah, because Busey, I didn't mention that, Busey... That that team knows all about what happened with Dutch. So you you imagine that's the logical step that's taken after Dutch makes his report was debriefed. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, it's uh, uh, I forgot her name, Isabel. Isabel. She's sort of heard the tale of what happened. If that makes sense, which makes no I sense. Because I can't Isabel. believe you hate the Batman voice when the whole of the first film is just macho posturing. Yes, but it's <laughs> but there's a difference, right? Adrian Brony going. Adrian Brony's going, come with me, kill me, kill me now. Now swap that for Arnie. You expect okay. that. Back to me. Back to you. <laughs> okay, back, back to you. They had a lot of ground to make up for after the AVP movies first tried to peddle these intergalactic human slaughterers to children with a PG-13 rated confused mess of marketing and secondly with a heartless R-rated sequel which was simply a slasher film albeit an amusing one to some. It was 23 years after the first film and the notion of an action hero had come on leaps and bounds since Schwarzenegger. The casting choice of the superb character actor Adrian Brody was a twofold advantage for them. Firstly, it meant that he would bring a genuine brooding intensity, a Batman voice, and a coldness to the role, giving the impression of a rather unpleasant backstory without ever having to discuss it too deeply. Secondly, it is far more realistic portrayal of a soldier. He's muscular but athletic and his key weapon is a shrewd and sneaky way of approaching battle they, they were talking I'm about sorry. the fact that it's a shrewd and sneaky it's an assault shotgun that's not sneaky that's uh, okay that's his weapon i mean when he when they're in the camp and he works out that they, they're being watched he backs off and hides waits for the rest of the team to get attacked and then attacks the predators okay fair point i thought you, i thought that's you met sneaky. yeah he's <laughs> definitely smarter than i he's also like i say heartless he uses people as bait he 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 acts for the whole film like he doesn't care about anybody and he will do what he has to do for, to survive and grows a teeny tiny bit of a grinchy heart at the end as a result there's less macho posturing in this movie than the previous two they're all in big trouble and they know it that's why there's less of that mistrust because they have to to work together to get by and most of them come from scenarios where they don't trust anyone anyway so they kind of get on with it more to the point, cinema is a different world now. The audience has been fed quality sci-fi, and we've been shown a strong character motivation and a decent taut story treated seriously with a wink and a nod can be thoroughly effective filmmaking. Predator 2, in contrast, is positioned much like the video game movies of the 90s. This is what you want. Blood, gut, swearing, and gunfire. Take it. Eat it. See you in another year for a sequel that even Danny Glover wouldn't be part of. There are many reasons why I prefer Predators, and one of them is that the creators have a higher estimation of us as an audience. 
If there's a shark to be jumped, it's Larry Fishburne, who does the jumping, as Noland, the absolutely bonkers reclusive hermit. Again, Arnie was the one they were hoping to return as Dutch, and from the sounds of what you're saying there, Neil, their, their second choice was Danny Glover. You see, if it had been either one of those characters, mm. that role would have made a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah. You could see how them having to survive on a planet, you know, because they've seen the Predator, and the Predators are like, right, this, you can't just leave this guy wandering around, chuck him on the game preserve, see, see, where, see if he floats. Um, but see, you could see how him surviving on this planet for many hunting seasons would give a certain spherical quality to these films. Dutch went on the defense at the end of the first film and has never stopped. However, Arnie was governating at the time, so they went with Fishburne instead. Fishburne plays Noland a notch above Gollum as an almost feral scavenger surrounding himself in... What? Huh? Oh yeah, I don't like him either. In the pieces of his, his environment to survive. It's easy to see how he could have slipped under their radar, but also what a toll it's taken on him. Sadly, he's hammier than an exploded pig. It's it's almost like that. there's better ways of showing that somebody's crazy. It's almost like while he was doing CSI, he forgot to act. Yeah. Who are you? Who are you? I'm alive. The three predators stalking them are the falconer, the tracker, and the berserker. And it would appear that they are from a different clan, or maybe even subspecies, to the classic predator seen in the first two movies and AVP. To show the distinction, they have a predator of that kind that we already know as their captive who comes into play heavily later on they use hounds and a tracking drone to flush out and spawn humans respectively their motives are pretty simple unlike hunting on earth solos in the first few films these guys are using a game preserve on an alien world it's a great deal more unfair scenario than the former seeing as their quarry is snatched away from their own turf dumped here and left to figure out what's going on it's debatable what would occur if they actually survived a hunting season, but most likely they would be left for the next one to go insane, as Nolan did. Like bulls in Spain, they're given no chance but to scrape at what life is available to them. There is no going home. As the story goes on, we learn that this planet is a training ground. This is where they come to hunt and develop their skills, constantly pursuing evolution as into the perfect killers. The irony being that they're not... And as long as they're governed by hormones and emotion, they never will be. Because this leads to insecurities. The pursuit of perfection and their sometimes tenuous grasp of honor cloud their abilities. It makes them excellent warriors, but arrogant and occasionally sloppy. It's also led to this ongoing war between the larger and smaller clans as the ultimate end to the pursuit of perfection. It's a division and rivalry that comes with obsessing over narrow ideals. The perfect killer, it turns out, is Royce, because he's able to switch off emotion and coldly assess each situation using the treacherous, psychotic liar Edwin as bait to lure in the remaining berserker. I do take issue with how easily the classic predator gives up in the end. It seems to take a single viciously impactful headbutt to break his spirit for a decapitation. But it's an extremely fun battle to watch since we've never seen Predators fight one another before. They seem remarkably impulsive, obeying none of the ritualistic routines of the first film. It's clear that these two loathe one another. Anything about any scenes that I've mentioned so far that you want to elaborate on? I'd just like to say, you got a lot from the whole Predator versus Super Predator thing that I didn't, because there is no honour, no nothing from these new guys. They are just nasty. Yeah, that, that, that's that's kind of what I meant. They they just hate each other. There's none of this. I, no, I don't mean just towards the predators either. They are just nasty to everybody. They they don't yeah. fight fair. There's n- they are almost just 
Uh, I think maybe what they're going for is to show the difference, maybe, mm. uh, between the ones we know and the ones that they've introduced, maybe, that these these newer ones don't fight fair. They don't play nice, you know. The whole point of... I've, I've read the book. They could probably kill a whole bunch of pregnant women and kids if they felt yeah, like it. Yeah, you see, I've read some of the books as well, and the whole warrior culture thing's really expanded in the books, whether or not you want to say they count or not. Fair point, because I know most people go, if it's not in the movie doesn't count yeah it counts for Star Wars as well yeah only the expanded universe is so much better The amount of homage paid in this film to the original and even Predator 2 is nothing short of staggering. There's the jungle setting, the creeping confusion as the unlikely team try to work out what's going on and who's out there. Old Painless, over here, turn around. In each film a character gets their spinal column removed while still attached to their skull. Hanzo taking out the falconer in single combat mirroring Billy's last stand. Royce's final battle plan with mud and fire. What the fuck are you? Come on, kill me, I'm here, do it now! A sudden unexpected loss of an advantage when the Predator uses a different function of his mask to detect his attackers, the removal of the berserker's arm, the incredibly faithful music, and of course, long tall Sally at the close. It's almost so intent on reminding us of how fantastic the first one was that it spends less time establishing an identity of its own. Hence, it's far less quotable. Now, I, I would agree, uh, Neil, and one of the first things you said was that it's, it, it just goes out there and goes, remember this bit, remember this bit, remember this bit? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the scene with going over the waterfall Mm. Oh, yeah. another one. Yeah. That looked like the same waterfall. Yeah, but it kind of, why? It's, it's almost that they put this stuff in, but they could have been spending the time almost a doing something else. That they had. Yeah, it does. That is another problem with this movie, it is. Right. Which not I don't have a problem with. I don't mind that. It, you know, it's, I've not got an inherent issue with doing that. It's just that a lot of them seem to be for, jammed in and they didn't really fit. I just think they spent too much time trying to nod to one and occasionally to two instead of making three be its own thing you know they do do some different things and one thing I do want to point out there are moments where the cinematography in this film is gorgeous that potmarked uh, river run that they, they take a break on looks gorgeous you know you do, they do some wonderful locations some wonderful you know cinematography uh, I can't knock that but this I feel the story's weak, the characters are weaker. It does feel like too. they spent too much trying to go Predator 1, Predator 1, Predator 1, Predator 2, Predator 1. It's like, no, you need a, you need this one. You're bringing Predator back. You need to go, you know what? Yeah, this happened, but we're going to tell you this story. really again gonna contend against that whole the story's weak thing when compared to Predator and Predator 2 it's about the same again really. I say I mean, Predator it's, it's, to me it's a little bit more complex I, I, I would say that Predator 1 and Predator 2 have complete stories whereas this one does not have a complete story it doesn't really have a resolution I think with Predator the advantage that, that Predator has is that the story is very simple it's a very basic simple story and therefore it's dealt with very well and, and there's n- you know it's just a nice simple story da-dum, da-dum, laid out and everything's built around that with predators they're trying to 
put a little bit too much in there, and so it doesn't seem to quite fit as well uh, as, as Predator did. And Predator 2, I would say, is, is much the same, to be honest. They're, they're trying to put a bit extra in more in there, make it a, a deeper film than, than Predator was. Um, and it just, it's not entirely successful, but with, with Predators, they're trying to be a bit too clever, I think. Could it not simply just be the ultimate uh, destiny of the uh, the lead characters? First and second one, it's like, let's go home. Third one, they say, let's get off this fucking planet, but they're not getting off the planet at that point. If they'd been in the ship flying away, like in pitch black, like, you know, let, let's go home, we've got Earth on the navigator. And we, you know, I suppose that's pretty much what happens at the end of Alien Resurrection. They get back to Earth. Uh, like I said, I wonder if they're just saving that for the next one. You know, like I said, sequel bait. I, it's it, there is a huge huge potential to expand this, which is what well, I think they're yeah. hoping for. And what was the rating for this one? R, eighteen. Was it? Not R eighteen. It was an R and an eighteen. Yeah, I just wondered because it definitely. <laughs> I don't remember the the penetration apart from thoughts. <laughs> Down boy. Um, I, I this I mean considering what we had before in Requiem. This is such a return to form that, you know, this is Oscar winning compared to that piece of shit. But, but I feel that I, I personally think this is the weakest of the lot. But then again, maybe it's, again, I'm very much about the story. So I've just li- looked up the writers and, um, what's listed here is the guy that wrote, well, that's listed as one of the writers also happened to write the new Three Musketeers movie. Haven't seen it. Is it rubbish? Uh, it's a um, Paul W. S. Anderson movie. It's all about look at my wife, look at my wife. Isn't she amazing? Oh, and there's Orlando Bloom. He's got Remy Harlan syndrome. You know what? I wouldn't actually call it uh, the the strongest film because I think Predator One actually gets that accolade, but it still Again, might be uh, my favorite and the one uh, I want. Really, to watch when more. it comes down to when we say favorites, it's uh, our own personal choice. You know, like I said, Predator yeah. Two is just the one for me. I absolutely love Predator Two. I I really do. Maybe whether or not you know that some you know. Just because it was the first one I saw, it's just the one I really, I really do enjoy. Predator One's really strong, but no, you know, I have hated on this movie, but I don't hate this movie at all. I, it's honestly, I can nitpick. You know, I have nitpicked it, <laughs> but you've seen oh, some I, shit. You know, like, trust me, <laughs> when people turn around and say like Waterworld's the worst movie they've ever seen, I just want to turn around and go, "You Luxury. don't watch enough movies." <laughs> But, you know, this has got some great moments, and I know he always does this, but I love to see Danny Trejo in just about anything. Oh, we should do, a, a Gonzo, about, like, our five worst movies each. Oh, That'd be great. God. Like, the, the, the most awful do, films Do we to have watch to watch ever. them, though, again? Uh, I don't think so. That sounds like cruel and unusual punishment. You know, <laughs> okay, so there's no way I'm watching oh, God. you ever again. Or the post. Not even okay. in my wheelhouse, mate. <laughs> so, oh, God. <laughs> rescue team not assassins now what we gotta do in a part of the world where there are no rules we pick up their trailer the chopper run them down grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there what do you mean we deep in the jungle where nothing that lives is safe you lose it here you're in a world of hurt showtime knock knock an elite rescue squad you're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. 
But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took it. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive. It hunts for sport. It's killing us one at a time. We're all going to die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. Okay, now that Predators has come and gone, we're back on track. There are several things I'd like to see in the inevitable follow-up, which has been hinted at repeatedly since this movie launched. One, the return of Royce and Isabel. We've never seen a character encounter predators twice, and the prior knowledge of their species would change the game. Two, a strong identity. It would need to break away from the first now that they've winked and nodded and referenced it enough times. We need new material. Three, characterize the predators. The novels had them speak to one another and explored their motivations and culture. It's time. It's that simple. If you want to expand and deepen these things, have the predators talk to one another have the predators yeah. discuss things or even just if you don't want to have them have conversations just do the whole thing with visual storytelling and make it obvious not obvious and make it apparent See, what they're doing the, and why they're the doing it only shred little shred of goodness in requiem is the brief glimpse of the homeworld well, what you assume to be the homework. That was interesting. And again, yeah, that, technically you, you do get the, the idea that the wolf predator in the in ABPR is like, uh-oh, alien's been seen on Earth. That's Gotta go like clean up. Predators, was, no, that's that movie. We'll, we'll deal with that movie. Because I just... Okay. I want to rent my mean-spirited movie. You'll only have to stop renting when <laughs> no, I'm That's only because I need to breathe. Can I just right. point out, I want to say this again. I know I've mentioned it before. I've got to say this again. <laughs> Walter Goggins is awesome. Come on, he's got a shiv and he takes on a predator and it's brilliant. Yeah. It, it, does, he, it's, does he call him an alien? Like that. Yeah, he's terrible. jumped on his back shiving him. Oh, <laughs> Come on, you alien faggot! I'm sorry, I just. I'm... A new species added. Not aliens or pred aliens, but something just as interesting that has not been done before and presents the hunters with a genuine challenge. The predators need to be on the back foot and cautious about being overwhelmed, not the smug, stalking thugs they've been portrayed as in the past. We need to see well-acted physical performances more along the lines of District 9 or Pan's Labyrinth. Imagine Doug Jones inside a predator costume as a taller, thinner, more thought-provoking predator. That That would be interesting. interesting. Although, to be fair, they did introduce two new species in this one. Yeah, I mean, but they're both feral well, creatures. Well, no, they sort of introduced their uh, hunting hounds. Yeah, you got the... The hounds, yeah. And then there's weird that, that weird runny thing. creature thing. Which, again, didn't really seem to have anything <laughs> to say, but yeah. You realise that that weird runny creature thing, that's basically what the Predator would have looked like if they hadn't redesigned it in the first film. 
the duck creature. That's basically the duck. That's basically Jean Jean Claude Van Damme as the predator. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it wasn't bright red. <laughs> Nicely. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't believe that. I hadn't noticed that before. That, that roughly would have been what they look like. Okay. Number five, some definite elaboration on the score. We need an imperial march to signify that the world has expanded rather than just riffing on the same handful of themes laid down by Sylvester in 87. Number six, Dutch should make a cameo at long last. And if you can get him in there, Harrigan as well. Arnie is in Expendables 2, so there's no more excuses. And for God's sake, make him act. He can do it. Terminator 2 and Predator have proved it. It would genuinely be interesting to see what his character could have become over the years, depending on his situation. And seven, it goes without saying that this next one absolutely must remain an Definitely. R. That's the one thing they really got right you, with yes. keeping the age rating and not pandering to the studios and doing a PG-13 piece of shit. Keep the budget down, keep the rating up, and then you won't be having to get the 13-year-old kids and the families. Because it just feels genuinely unsavory trying to get kids it's to watch a, AVP. It's one of these strange... And where the... That's the same rating as The Dark Knight. The thing, wrong. I mean, kids shouldn't really be watching Dark Knight either. The but stupid thing is, we're to blame for this. Because growing up, we all did it, didn't we? We, you know, we went of age and we watched Nightmare. We watched Predator. We watched Alien and Aliens. And they were awesome. And they yes. rated And then studios had. went, hmm, maybe if we lower the rating, hmm, we find that kids like these characters That's the reason well. to turn Freddy into a clown. We've alluded to the AVP movies. It is a really, really good book called Alien vs. Predator, and I can't remember the author. It was turned into a graphic novel. It, you mean Prey? The one uh, yes, is that the first one? That is the book yeah. I, I recommend people uh, read if you want a good AVP story. I want to say Steve Perry. I think it's the, Steve Perry because uh, he did two. Check. There was a sequel. I don't think the sequel is as good, but the first one really is well set in the alien predator universes and marries them very well and makes logical sense in fact they borrowed some of it for the movie i think the whole naguchi we'll talk about this in the we talk about alien versus predator but the whole naguchi thing is uh, it was a fe- a woman a human woman being indoctrinated into the uh, predator's clan that was interesting and then the the follow-up book for that uh, big game uh, she was basically a female human asian dressed as a predator in the clan and she was hard communicating with them and being part of their tribe she was very hard she was hard yes just that is a that shows that you can do these stories well and it shows that the predators can actually be there was there was narration from the point of view of predators in in, uh, these books so it can be done and I really hope to see that in the movie the author was indeed Steve Perry Next week marks the 50th Digital Gonzo, so I have something rather special in the pipeline related to Gonzo Planet and the hard work that's gone into the first month. And seeing as it's the 50th course. episode, Alex, it's your round. I concur. Outvoted, <laughs> motion carried. Get to the bar! Okay. <laughs> Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper!
Now listen up everyone, this next one's called And in the run up to the holiday season, I will be giving the gonzo treatment to two of my very favourite Yuletide movies. I'm talking of course about the recent Robert Zemeckis performance capture rendition of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And of course, it's furry brother... Christmas Carol? Oh yeah! Muppets Christmas Carol. Awesome. (laughs) Two versions of the same story that I absolutely encourage you guys to track down and experience for yourselves. Can I be on the you guys want to be on that show? I'll be on Well, no, it's the same one show, but it would mean you'd have to find and watch the, uh, as long as I can watch the Muppets one. I can do that. I can do that. (laughs) See, we don't, we don't care about Zemeckis. We just want to watch the Muppets again. (laughs) You will thank me. It's really quite entertaining. And Jim Carrey acts. I haven't seen that since the Truman Show. Once again, if you love the show, then show the love and jump onto iTunes and give it a review. That way more people can discover and enjoy the gonzo goodness. I'd like to say thank you to Doberman Airfoils, Deb Salicious, Jamie Codling, and Action Jim for your very kind review comments. Stuff like that sells this show to newcomers in a way that no amount of grandstanding on my part can match. So we will see you later. Over here, turn around, anytime. <laughs>